Welcome to Funded by Source, a new conversation about expanded consciousness, creativity, ritual, and entrepreneurship in the digital age. Funded by Source is here to remind you what you already know deep within. We are here to weave a new story of abundance, one that's beyond logic, spreadsheets, and hashtags. My intention is to activate ripples of courage for you to share your own voice and medicine with the world, trusting that when you follow the whispers, you are fully funded by source. In the world of outsourcing, we will explore the things that you can only insource, revealing the unique path that you came here to walk, creating your own definition of success. I am your host, Xenia, an award-nominated storyteller, guide, and creator of the Conscious Social Media Method. I am here to hold space of curiosity, play, courageous communication, and unwavering trust as we dive between the physical, the digital, and the unseen realms. Before we start, I have one question for you. Are you open to miracles? My guests today are the beautiful duo behind Groove with Gaia, Elijah Johnston and Cameron Ogden Fung. I came across Groove with Gaia on TikTok and was taken by their magnetic, beautiful, authentic presence that is all about spreading the love for Mother Earth, for being present with ourselves and our loved ones, for joy and plant healing. And so I reached out to Cam and Eli, and this conversation is truly something. We talk about the miraculous synchronicities surrounding their meeting in Bali, reform movement as a form of healing and self-expression, how to be with and overcome the fear of showing up online and being seen, the practices that helped Cam overcome what was in her way of confidently showing up online, their content creation systems, their stands on sponsored content and brand partner vetting process, how Cam and Eli weave their skills to build Groove with Gaia, regenerative way of living, plant medicines, including a recent profound experience that Cam and Eli had and how they have been integrating it, daily rituals for creativity, the roles that Bali and Hawaii played in their relationship, and so much more. Towards the end, when we start talking about plant medicine, it really felt like there was a consciousness that entered this virtual space that you are now sharing with all of us, and I was in an altered state of consciousness for the rest of the day. So be mindful of where you're listening to this. Know that we go into some very deep and exploratory spaces. And before we dive in, I want to give you a little more context about Cam and Eli. So here is a little bit about them. In 2019, Cam and Eli danced into each other's lives in Bali, Indonesia. Cam is from Hong Kong and Eli is from Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Brooklyn. Together, they hosted silent sunset dances on the beaches of Bali with mindfully curated playlists, empowering people to embrace and connect with Mother Earth, bringing Groove with Gaia to life. Outside of Groove with Gaia, Cam is currently finishing her graduate studies in Natural Resources and Environmental Management Department in University in Hawaii, 
where she is researching surf tourism and helping to create a framework for implementing surf protected areas. Eli has his own personal practice in which he acts as a product consultant and Akashic Records reader, as well as co-owning a venture studio called Modern Mantra. These two individuals are so multifaceted and I'm so excited to introduce them to you. Make sure you check them out on TikTok and Instagram at Groove with Gaia. And if you have been calling in a reminder and confirmation that a conscious relationship where you are co-creating in various areas of your lives is possible, this is it. All right, Cam and Eli, welcome to Funded by Source. I'm so honored to be holding the space for your first joint podcast interview together. Yes, we're glad to be here. Very excited to be here. Thank you so much for holding this beautiful space. You are my, I think, second guest from TikTok, specifically, you know, from cool. coming up on my FYP page and then just feeling this calling. Wow. You know, there's a conversation that's meant to be had. So I'm so stoked to explore grooving with Gaia, movement as healing modality, how content creation falls into all of that, how your commitment to your high vibe relationship, as you call it, and mindful eating practices and rituals, kind of just let's see where we go. But to start, take me to Bali. What happened in in Bali? Yeah. So Cam and I met in Bali. We actually met at a bar called Pretty Poison. It's a really cool bar because it's a skate park and a bar combined. So it's got a bit of a bar area, then it's got a big like skate bowl. And we met because Cam, myself, and Cam's friend, we were like the three only people dancing in this bar. And yeah, we just kind of grooved together for the duration of the DJ set. And after that DJ set, we uh, we started chatting. Yeah, so this was in February of 2019. And that's when we first kind of connected. And then it was a few months after that, that we really started to hang out with one another more intentionally and kind of every day. And through that connection, one morning I woke up and I was like, Eli, let's dance on the beach together. And it was just some download that I got that night where I was like, huh, that could be a fun (laughs) experience to have together. And so we decided to hop on our mopeds, drive down to the beach and plug in our headphones and just play music and dance to it. And through that experience together, we were like, whoa, that was really fun and beautiful and expansive. And let's invite our friends to do it with us next time. And so we started to create this beautiful group of movers, dancers who would join us at the beach at sunset. And we would intentionally curate a high vibrational playlist together and just dance in this beautiful container and after that we would have dinners together and so it was such a beautiful way to ignite Groove with Gaia. Mm -hmm. So Groove with Gaia started off as that community in Mm -hmm. Bali 
dancing and communing and eating and yeah so cam and i met dancing and we very literally have never stopped (laughs) yep (laughs) that's what bali does you know one of my biggest relationships in life also was sparked there it's my relationship with cacao i sat in a Mm. cacao circle with hundreds of people and then I felt in an altered state of consciousness and I felt so connected to everyone and I felt liberated in my body and voice. And since then, I've been drinking cacao ever since, pretty much every day. And whoever's around me gets a cup too, all the time. (laughs) Absolutely love that. (laughs) Yeah, Bali was also my first cacao ceremony. It's not something you really think about. Like, it's not something I thought about personally prior to that ceremony. Right. You know, just the the cacao as a as a plant medicine, but it is so powerful and beautiful to have that experience. Hundred percent. I can talk about cacao all day long, but I want to get back to Groove with Gaia. So, when you started Groove with Gaia on a beach in Bali and came together in that way, what were you both coming from in terms of healing modalities and movement as a path to healing? And kind of, you know, tell me whatever points of your individual journeys you think opened you up to this destiny-filled meeting that has led you both to be co-creating such a beautiful global movement now using social media. My journey with movement, uh, I guess, began when I was young. I remember being in middle school and we had majors in our middle school. And, and my major was dance. So that's when I got tuned into things like modern dance and jazz and ballet. And I, I kept up with like having dance integrated into my life and my learnings. But it wasn't really until college when I took my first improvisational dance class. And that class really opened up my understanding of my body and my body's ability to move freely. And in hindsight, like that was the, those experiences allowed me to live more in my body and recognizing that before that, there was nothing that has, you know, there's nothing that taught me or showed me how to just move freely because dance is typically so confined to certain spaces. So I think that one improv class I ended up taking more improv classes in school, but I think those were pretty pivotal in just developing that understanding of free form movement as a mode of expression. And then I guess I have, I've had my own journey with various yoga practices and such. My mom was a yoga instructor when I was younger, so I kind of got hip to it early on, but didn't really cultivate my own practice till Uh, more in my adult life. Uh, But I guess those experiences combined kind of led me to be in a space where I was open to accepting Cam's invitation to dance on the beach. And for my experience with movement as a healing modality, when I was young, I had an auditory processing disorder. And so it made it very challenging for me to really yeah, process any audio information. And my mom is a dancer. And so she studied dance when she was in college and high school. And so she put me into a 
I believe it was like an animal movement yoga class as a way to help process sound with movement. And that was the way that I kind of got more into my own body and really connecting um, information with movement. And then through that practice, I did ballet a little bit when I was younger, did some modern dance as well, stopped dancing for a period of time, and then re-engaged with dancing in college through a few classes that were more freeform, ex- you know, experiential, experimental sort of dance classes that really got me into a very creative flowing space of choreography and tuning it to the sound journey. And then I guess it was 2018, I left on this beautiful backpacking trip throughout Asia. And during that time is when I was exposed to ecstatic dance and actually experiencing what that conscious dance form really feels like in the body and how beautiful it is in connecting and creating a community. And so, you know, through that practice, I was able to feel super comfortable dancing by myself on the beach and then wanting to invite others into that space as well. Mm. First of all, shout out to both your moms. They're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) The things that they invited you both to do is just so, I mean, in one way it's ahead of its time, but in another way, it's what humans have been doing in different forms for thousands of years. We just forgot it. And in the context of ecstatic dance, you know, there's five rhythms, there's ecstatic dance, there's various existing modalities named certain ways that some of us are familiar with. How is Groove with Gaia structure? Is there structure to it? Is there like a formula to it? If someone is like, I want to experience this freedom they're talking about, how does someone practice it in their own living room or backyard? Mm. Yeah, I think one of the unique things about Groove with Gaia and the experiences that we tend to cultivate is we add different elements of connecting with the space into it. And so, for example, we created a guided meditation that anybody can pick up and plug in headphones and go into any outdoor space and, and flow. And really the, I think the flow that we ironed out for that speaks to the flow that we tend to hold in an experience. And, and we take some inspiration from Kundalini, different Kundalini breath work and techniques to really get grounded into our bodies and ground into the vibration of the earth. Um, and then kind of allowing putting yourself in that space, in that grounded space to let the sound move through you. So I think there's those elements of really connecting to body and connecting to space and place that are, I guess, a differentiating factor of what we're doing with Groove with Gaia. Because there is so much, you know, I think it's easy to take for granted that the trees that you walk past on a daily basis are beings you know, and we're surrounded by all of these other life forms that are equally as living as us. And so really tuning into that 
and tuning into what it really means to groove with Gaia, right? And tune into that earth vibration. I think that's something that we try to incorporate into the experiences that we put out. And it's been a while since we've actually hosted an in-person experience because of COVID-19. So we're actually also in this beautiful space where we are designing and creatively collaborating on what that first in-person Groove with Gaia experience will be. So I'm currently also finishing up my ecstatic dance DJ training with um, Sophie Sofree and Ryo who were um, or are DJs in Bali. So they would host the ecstatic dances at the yoga barn in Ubud. And so it's been really fun learning and mastering these skills around curating sacred sound journeys for people. And so, yeah, right now there are elements that we value and really feel like create this beautiful, transformative healing experience for people. But we're also playing with new ideas and how to really explore what dance with natural elements can bring up for people. So yeah, we're, we're having fun talking about different ideas right now mm -hmm. and, you know, excited to hopefully host a in-person dance soon, depending on the COVID-19 conditions. That sounds so exciting. And, you know, the fact that in the meantime, you're working with what you have, which has been TikTok. And, you know, when I got on TikTok, first it was about two years ago, and I posted one video and I was just everyone that was on my home feed was about nine years old. And I just could not understand for the life of me why everyone's <laughs> saying this is the future. And then about nine months later, in the middle of COVID, I got into it again. And I just challenged myself creatively to start sharing things that I love that I find beautiful that I find moving. And a few things just blew up. And I ended up finding so many beautiful people spreading messages of healing and gardening and movement and, you know, fellow cacao lovers, just so many like-minded souls. And then you guys came up. And in that moment, for me, the definition of TikTok being a dance app got totally shifted. Because what you're, it's still dance, the way you're expressing a lot of your messages, it's still movement. But there's so many encoded messages of connecting to nature, connecting to yourself. What called you to start sharing it in short form video um, format and get on TikTok specifically? And also, at what point of that did the name Groove with Gaia reveal itself to you as its own being? Mm. Yeah, so Groove with Gaia actually came through pretty early on while we were still in Bali. And so that came through for Eli, actually. So I'll let him explain how that came to life. <laughs> yeah, it was really just, there's not much to it. It was really just a download. <laughs> it was just a, a download that came, a groove with Gaia. And uh, that's, we had a WhatsApp group for our Bali community. And, and from, you know, I ran it past Cam, we felt resonant. And then we changed the name of the WhatsApp group. So that was the, the name. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of starting to share online, we were on the big island of Hawaii when COVID really started to 
get a little bit scary, I guess, for a lot of people in the US. And my mom was definitely worried because I grew up in Hong Kong. So I had been through the SARS epidemic there and fully understood the seriousness of that situation. And so my mom, you know, urged us to come to Oregon to live on our seven and a half acre farm. And so we were like, okay, I guess we're leaving Hawaii and we're going to stay with my family for a few months, which ended up being around six months. Mm -hmm. And during that time there, we were like, okay, how can we start to share Groove with Gaia in this space in this time and that led us to TikTok and I we both had never really been on TikTok we didn't know much about it mm. but for some reason for me I felt a lot more connected to the format of TikTok like I really have always loved short form videos like even when I was traveling in Asia like my favorite thing to do was create short form videos and I would just share it on Instagram because that was the best platform to do it at the time but TikTok I was like okay this is maybe the perfect social media platform for us to really share the things that we love. And we'll just see if people connect with it, see if people vibe with it and want to join us on our journey and start to implement different practices that we incorporate into our life as ways to heal, ground, love. And so that was the beginning of our TikTok journey. <laughs> yeah, Cam did like a competitive analysis of the different <laughs> platforms, you know, because we were like, well, let's create content. Okay, which platform do we want to create content on? And Cam did an analysis and eventually, you know, was like, I think TikTok's the move. And neither of us have ever used TikTok before that. Mm -hmm. um, and looking back a year and a half later, it, it was definitely the move. Mm. So what has making that move revealed to you? Wow, a lot, a lot. Um, I think in terms of our relationship together, our partnership, creating content together is such a unique activity to do as a, you know, collectively. And I think that it's revealed deeper depths of our collaborative nature together, just the ability to create together, right? And really create and put out to the public together. I also think it, for me, it revealed just how powerful of a tool TikTok is, you know, because in making that move and starting to understand how messages can spread and understand how content can be a magnet for the right people. Yeah, I think TikTok really revealed something that I think is quite transformative for social media and how we engage with content. Mm. Yeah, I think another thing that it really revealed to us is the power of collaborations with mission-driven organizations and conservation nonprofits. Yeah, through this platform, we've been able to 
do a lot of creative collaborations with amazing companies and organizations. Oh, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that has been so fun to see that our outreach is resonating with these companies who want to make meaningful change in the way that they present themselves, in the way that they interact with the world. And I feel so honored to be able to help share their messages as well and integrate it with the work that we're doing. So that's been really fun to experience and we're growing these beautiful relationships right now with a lot of amazing organizations. And it's been so much fun to see the potential of this platform and also just being able to feel connected to the community that we have built. Like we'll get so many sweet, beautiful messages that really fill my heart with a lot of joy and love. And it feels very impactful to, to hear those messages and to know that our content, our presence is resonating with people so deeply and that it's allowed them to feel more connected with themselves, feel more connected with the relationships that they have in their life, feel more connected to Mother Gaia. And yeah, that's been such a gift. <laughs> Did either one of you think that you would become a conscious influencer? It was never on <laughs> my personal roadmap. I think Cam maybe has had more thoughts of it I've had more thoughts of it, but I I didn't think it was going to truly become a reality for me. I think when we even just started posting on TikTok last year, I had a lot of fear. I was like putting so much energy into these videos and feeling like, oh, maybe people aren't going to care. Maybe people aren't going to want to watch these videos or connect with us. And I expressed that fear to my sister at the time, just like bawling my eyes out, just, yeah, feeling like fear was a big barrier for me at that time. And I'm so grateful that I was able to like move past that fear and alchemize that fear into excitement and creative joy. Um, but it took some work to like get to that place. And so, yeah, now that we're here and we do have a beautiful community of people online that are engaged with what we're putting out, it does feel really amazing to be able to continue to add value to their lives or we, we try to do that um, as best as we can, but also trying our best to be as authentic and transparent with our messaging. And yeah, we're enjoying <laughs> we're enjoying it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been unexpected to a certain degree. I would love to talk a little bit more about the fear that you mentioned, because when I talk to anyone, you know, each one of us has a message to share. I think that some of us are meant to be in the public eye and create content, and some are not. Some of us battle whether we should or not, but there's all kinds of different kind of, you know, 
ways that this shows up for everyone. And from what I've observed, it's not the not knowing what to say, but the fear of being seen that stops people the most, because we don't really know how to frame our message until we start showing up and being seen and allowing our message to become bigger than our egos and just live mm. out there with people, with beings, with nature. So I'm curious, you know, you've pointed to some of the things you had to do to alchemize that fear into moving forward. Is there anything in particular you remember that helped you, Kim? So during that time, we were also getting really into kundalini yoga. Mm. And so I think through those breathwork practices and kirtans, we, well, I was really getting into a deeper space of loving myself fully and really showing up for myself fully. And I think because I was doing those daily rituals, it really helped push me into a space of optimism and hope and growth and really allowed me to face those shadows, those scary, fearful thoughts, like head on and be like, okay, yes, you know, these thoughts are coming through right now. And especially, you know, when you have a dedicated meditation practice, you become so aware of those thoughts because, you know, you are present, right? You are allowing yourself to be um, attuned to everything that's coming through your body, through your mind. And so that presence made me face those more negative minded thoughts face on and through more breathwork practices, through more experience sharing authentically online, I think I was able to let go of that fear because I was realizing, okay, this really isn't serving my practice. This isn't serving my potential and my growth. And so I was just at some point ready to drop it, you know, and be like, okay, if I'm going to be sharing these beautiful healing practices with the world, I also need to really embody them within myself and live up to that. And so at some point that fear really diminished. And of course, there's still going to be anxious thoughts and fearful thoughts. It's very difficult, I think, for my being to be completely human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm a human. And so those thoughts, and especially in this world where there is a lot of fear mongering and a lot of fear inducing content out there, it's very easy to kind of slip into those patternings. And because of the mindful practices that we incorporate into our lives, I do think it really helps me um, ground down and allow those thoughts to fade away into the distance. And Eli really inspires me a lot with his dedication to his practice. So that really also helps me feel motivated and excited to continue doing the work. And I think it's just the way that we show up in this relationship that really allows us to continue to support and build and grow. 
And there's days that are really hard and that, you know, the fear, the anxiety will take over. Right now, I'm dealing a little bit with a bit more, I guess, fear and anxiety because of the work that I'm doing in grad school and finishing up my thesis research and having hard deadlines and expectations from thesis committee. And also even just being on a podcast and speaking to you, you do hold this beautiful container, but I have a lot of anxiety around public speaking, I guess. And so even being present here, you know, I can feel a little anxious feeling in my body. And I know that with time, with practice, I will feel more confident and be able to move through dance through this life and not have those feelings be so present. And they definitely um, are at a place now where it's not like anything like last year, where I think also there was just universal energy that was really difficult at the time. And I think that weighed on my heart a lot. Mm. And that was just very heavy to be in a lockdown state um, and have to deal with a lot of fear coming from so many different angles at the time. And so I was experiencing a bit of anxiety attacks. And that just hasn't been the case mm. for a long, long time now, I guess, like over mm. a year, I haven't experienced any anxiety attacks, which is such wow. a beautiful blessing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely part of the work, you know, mm. is just having a dedicated practice and ritual, so that you're not trying to deal with those negative thoughts and fear in the moment. It's being proactive about preparing your mind and body to face those things in a conscious way. Mm. So beautiful. And it's been so incredible for me to be witness to, to this journey that Cam's been on. And when you asked about biggest reveals of making content on TikTok, that was definitely one that came to mind um and just yeah so incredible to see the journey i remember when we first started tiktok cam did not want to make talking videos you know but you know and, and just wit nerve-wracking right and just witnessing yeah. that journey you know and and it's just so incredible just to be a partner on it and a supporter on it yeah just hats off and and kudos to all of it you know and now here we are on this podcast together First podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Big breath to bat. Breath of expansion. Yes. Ah, so beautiful to hear that. And also, Cam, you sharing this, it, I think, is such an important piece that often doesn't get highlighted um, on social media. You know, what we see is the results of the content, but not everything that went into it. So, you sharing the journey of being able to show up the way you do is so inspiring to myself and I know to everyone listening. Thank empowering. <laughs> so empowering. Yeah. And I know how nerve wracking it can get making content, especially when I try to make it with my husband. We're kind of like one shot and done. And if it didn't work out, it's over because we're both so impatient. We just want to keep moving with our lives. Uh, I'm curious for 
both of you, what's the content creation process? How do you come up with the ideas? How do you not lose your patience with each other? You know, how do you kind of come up with a cadence to come up with ideas, to shoot, to edit while managing brand partnerships, while managing grad school and all the other pieces of your lives? Totally. We, um, we've got it. We've got a good system. You know, I think we, in, in the beginning, we were really free flowing, you know, we were really free forming the content and experimenting a lot. And I think over time, as we have established ourselves more in this work and more in the project, more in the mission and more in the vision, we've established systems around, our content creation. Um, so for example, we have a, we have a, you know, we organize all of our stuff on a, on a board using Trello where we have our love Trello. Yeah. Yeah. And I do a lot of product work with tech companies. So I know all about like these project management tools and stuff. So I think we applied a little bit of that to how we're doing groove with guy and the content. So we have, you know, we have a place where we can put all of our content ideas. So things that we're feeling called to, um, you know, we can put it in there, write descriptions of it, any, any other details that are coming up. And then we just have a, a process of prioritizing which ones we want to film. And yeah, it moves through that board in terms of being filmed, being in editing, being ready to publish, being published. And then we also have designated times in which we make content. So right now, those times are on Wednesdays and Fridays. We both have time scheduled in our calendars to dedicate to creating content. And Cam is an incredible creative visionary. You know, she's like our creative director And I manage a lot of those brand partnerships and collaborations and relationships. And Cam does a lot of the video production and editing and all that stuff. So we have, we have good systems. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything you want to. I think you nailed it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much everything that I would have. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We should have good systems. I think systems, but also allowing our, creativity to flow in those systems, you know, creating systems to structure our creativity. Mm. Things a good balance. What if you wake up and you're just not in the mood to be on camera and it's a Wednesday or a Friday? Do you push yourself or do you do certain breath work? How do you get into the camera mood? So there are times when maybe I'm on my moon cycle, so I'm a bit more irritable and low energy, or, you know, Eli's been on calls all day and he does not want to talk to the camera, you know, or be filmed. So that definitely happens. And I think typically we decide, okay, we're not filming. You know, like we're not in the right headspace to share right now. And that's totally okay. And we can reschedule when we're in a place and feel called to communicate with our online community. And that's typically what we'll do. I think there's sometimes where we will push it a little bit, but usually if we will know, we'll know and we'll be like, okay. It's not happening today, so let's just 
take our space, let's just breathe, let's relax, and that's all good. It doesn't happen super often anymore, I feel like, or ever really, but there has been like a few times where we've definitely had to reschedule and be like, okay, I think another day when we're feeling ready to share, we will. Yeah, yeah, I'm so with you. This episode is brought to you by Heartball, my very own product that I created many years ago when I just started dabbling in the world of social media as my main business and my main career. At the time, I was brokenhearted and I was posting pictures of my breakfasts served in a beautiful red heart-shaped bowl, which was really my reminder to pause first thing in the morning connect to what matters, and know that I can't find love on the outside unless I first find it on the inside and practice that presence, that self-compassion, and find those little pockets of joy and ritual that make me feel alive. The original Heart Bowl was one of a kind, and then I read a book by Tim Ferriss and was inspired to produce a few thousand bowls And since then, I have reiterated different versions of the Heart Bowl, and now there are three of them in white, red, and green. The Heart Bowl is a beautiful ceramic dish that can be used for meals. It's the perfect size for oatmeal or a smoothie bowl or kitchery or a soup. Or you can also use it for your crystals to hold your incense or any other ritual tools on your altar. You can check out the Heart Bowls and buy a bowl or a bundle on myheartbowl.com and use code FUNDEDBYSOURCE for a generous 20% off for the listeners of this podcast. Myheartbowl.com, 20% off with code FUNDEDBYSOURCE. And it makes a lot more sense to buy a bundle or three or five. And then you can keep them all or give a few to your friends and make sure that if you share how you're using it, you tag hashtag HeartBowl so I can see it and see how you are practicing self-love today. Has there been a time where you shared something that you didn't think people in your community would enjoy and then it just blows up that shocks you? So something that had an unexpected maybe reaction or the way people received it? I'm asking because in my experience, there's been times where I think through something and I think this is so incredible. This is so organized. This is such an incredible story I'm telling and it goes viral. And then other times I come up with this idea and I think, wow, this is going to heal so many and so many are going to laugh and share it with their friends. And then I publish it and it barely gets any views. And that's when I know it was meant for (laughs) me and nobody else. Um, I'm curious what your experience has been with that. We've definitely experienced a lot of that as well, where, you know, we get so excited and we're like, oh my God, this is going to be incredible. So many people are going to love this. And then it gets like a few hundred views and it's like, okay, that one just did not meet our expectation. And I think with TikTok, it does feel kind of random, like what actually gets um, seen by you know, thousands and thousands of people. And so at this point, 
I think we've dropped that expectation and we're just like, okay, we're going to authentically share what we feel like we want to share. And if thousands of people see it, amazing. If nobody sees it, okay. And we've gotten very comfortable with that at this point because, yeah, it's very interesting how the TikTok and Instagram algorithms work. And we really can't predict what's going to do well and what's not going to do well in terms of reaching people. And I think recently, like one of our videos with um, Uplift, was it was like a brand video. And that one was you know, very simple. It was just a one cut video of us talking about these standing desks. And we were like, okay, great. You know, it's a decent video. Didn't really expect anything at all. (laughs) And suddenly we like open up TikTok and it's at 1 million views. And we're like, what the heck? (laughs) And so that setup looked amazing. I definitely was one of the people who sent it to a few friends. I was like, I need this. (laughs) Yeah, so that example of a video, we had no expectations that that would reach so many people, but it did Mm -hmm. and definitely caught us off guard. But yeah, there's a lot of videos that we put a lot of effort into that usually don't pan out in the way that we hope. Mm. And so we've gotten comfortable with that and just know that the content creation journey is about consistency and showing up and it's not going to be a like linear growth experience where especially not on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know there's ups there's downs and throughout it all I think the most important piece for us is just being ourselves feeling called to share and having fun creatively collaborating. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of variables on on TikTok, you know, and there's no correlation between time spent making a video and the overall performance of that video. Zero. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's really been a journey. Yeah, you know, one thing that I've been creating content for over 15 years and doing it full time for about 10. So I've seen all kinds of ups and downs with something, you know, blowing up on Instagram and then that account becoming not really that popular. And same with TikTok, you know, videos that got 15 million views and then a video that has 500 views. And one thing that I've been learning along the way is to, like you said, enjoy the journey, but also remember that each piece that is coming through me and I'm saying yes to is because it's meant to be embodied. It's meant to be shared, whether the person who's going to benefit from it is my viewer, community member, or myself. Maybe that process was actually moving something within me that meant to be moved. And so this way, everything becomes part of the puzzle, even though sometimes it's wildly uncomfortable, you know, especially when I'm in conversation with brands and my last three videos got 500 views. I'm like, you know, how do you explain this? But that's when I think in this new digital age, it's our important task as humans to not allow those external metrics to put value or worth or fully guide how we express ourselves and continue showing up. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think when, when Cam was speaking to the days that we don't make videos or it doesn't feel right, I think there's such an element of authenticity right? It's like we have to be in that space for it to really 
that's something we value in all the content we make is, is just authenticity. Is this really coming from a true, a place of truth? Um, and I think I, I resonate exactly with what you're saying. Like it's about just being consistent with that truth and with that creativity and not letting those metrics define it. hundred percent. So from that place, how do you decide what brands to work with? Cause you worked with some really awesome brands, including uplift desk and avocado mattress kind of what's your, uh, first of all, how did it come through? Did you start reaching out to brands or did they start reaching out to you at a certain point? And how do you tap into what's in alignment to take on? Mm. Yeah. So we, um, a little bit of, to the first question, it's a bit of both. Uh, so we get reached out to by a good number of brands and organizations. And then there are times when we also feel called to collaborate with organizations and reach out to them. And the folks that reach out to us, we, we say no a lot more than we say yes to things these days. And really that that vetting process is, does it align with our values on you know, what is going to create a, a better future for generations to come? What do we feel the world needs more of? Um, and what are conscious swaps, you know, because it's like people are going to get a bed anyway, right? Or people are going to, you know, get a desk anyway, right? What are, what are more conscious swaps and how can we bring those more to the forefront? So we do take a lens to every company that comes through and we'll ask, we're not afraid to ask them tough questions. You know, if they reach out to us and they want to collaborate and they're like, okay, well, we're a social enterprise. We work with these communities and we're like, okay, well, how much is the community getting? How are you working with those communities? Where is it sourced? You know, we're really going deep and really figuring out whether it truly aligns with us. And we always and nine times out of 10, we're like, yeah, we, we need to actually try this first and really see if it's something that we will integrate into our own lives and get behind before we'll even think about promoting that externally to our community. The reason I say nine times out of 10 is because it's hard to do that with like an avocado bed. Right. You know, we can't like try it and be like, ah, oh, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so, so to the first question, we do a bit of both. Um, and to the second question, yeah, that's a little bit of the, the process, if there's anything else. Then. That sounds yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> And I love that you bring in those deeper layers of it's not just the content you end up making and your values aligning with the brand, but those questions that you ask in the process to the brand might end up making the biggest internal difference that dictates everything about how they make products and sell them. So totally. thank you for doing that courageous work. Thank you for acknowledging that. And Cam's, I mean, uh, so much of Cam's work and background, in addition to being an incredible creative, she's also this incredible scientist mm. um, and conservationist. And then I have a large background in social innovation and product design and all of that stuff. So together... I think we know the questions that we want to ask <laughs> to, to really to really get down to what it's about. And we have seen that being reflected back to us by brands about some of the ways that we talk about 
the product, some of the ways that we frame it and mm. position it and the angles that we talk about it from, um, they are now starting to acknowledge the, you know, the, the difference of that, the, the approach that we take to it. Wow. That's why I love social media. There's so many conversations that become possible that otherwise wouldn't have been, you know, just like the world is starting to realize that fair trade or organic doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually making a positive and long-term difference in the world. And the words like regenerative farming and biodynamic are starting to become a thing. It makes me so happy. <laughs> and I know that for both of you, regenerative way of living and doing business and showing up in the world is important. So what does that mean exactly? Because there's so many ways we could look at it. Mm. Yeah. To, to me, there's been this, you know, there's been a lot of talk around sustainability, right? And that has become like the de facto term around how we approach our future, right? We want it to be, you know, we, we want, we, we want to embody this concept of sustainability, but to me, you know, sustainability is, you know, at a level where we can maintain, right? It's at a level where we can maintain. Whereas I think we need to take a more critical lens to what it is that we want to maintain and what it is that we need to change, you know, because I would argue that and we would argue that there are some practices that we don't necessarily want to maintain and make sustainable, right? They actually need to change and we need to regenerate how we're operating, how we're thinking, how we're organizing. And yeah, I think that that's a part of it. That's definitely a part of it. And I think regeneration just speaks to that ability to kind of go through that cycle of, <laughs> of life consistently, right? Birth, life, death, rebirth, birth, life, death, and the ability to regenerate. Uh, so to us, I guess it's a more true word of, of what we see that future being, what we see that ideal future being. Mm. Yeah, and within my work, um, so I'm currently in a master's program in the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Management at University of Hawaii at Manoa. And it's interesting because there are the word, you know, conservation and maintaining natural assets, you know, comes up a lot. And also even the department name, you know, environmental management you know, we're really not managing the environment. Nature is able to manage itself. We're managing the people. And so there's always like, within our department, there's issues around our department name because it doesn't really encompass the work that we're doing and trying to do. And my mentor, my advisor, she's Native Hawaiian and a lot of her work and research revolves around community-based uh, yeah, I don't want to say conservation. I would say regeneration is mm. more the, the type of work that she's diving into and really understanding indigenous methodologies to create ceremonies around, you know, honoring the aina, the land. And so 
through my work um, as a you know natural resource manager, I've gotten very accustomed to certain terminology around you know conservation and protection. And I do think that regeneration really embodies the, the true nature of what we as a society need to move towards because maintaining these ways of living is not really sustainable for the future that I hope we want to embody. And so right now, even with my like thesis work, I'm trying to really understand how best to frame this conservation partnership program that I'm um, collaborating with, because a lot of the terminology is still about, you know, conserving and maintaining. Mm. And I do think that the community that I'm working with is um, in Moratai, Indonesia. And so the ways that they, you know, live and the ways that they interact with their natural ecosystems is definitely different compared to the Western or, you know, United States um, ways of interacting with our natural assets. And so, yeah, it's been an interesting process of like diving a bit more deeply into terminology and how that really impacts the, the work of conservation. And I'm using air quotes. <laughs> um, and we've also really enjoyed... Um, working with the Alliance for Climate Emergency um, through our creative work and seeing a more creative approach to informing and educating people around the impacts of climate change. And so that's been inspiring um, to be able to use our platform as a vessel for that sort of important regenerative ways of thinking about how we connect to mother nature. Yeah. And connecting to mother nature, I think really is the heart of what you both have so beautifully spoken to, you know, coming at someone by, from a place of fear or judgment and saying, Hey, stop using plastic straws now. Or even now we're finding out that canvas totes apparently take so much energy to, you know, repurpose or going to the garbage landfill like there's just takes so much energy well in the meantime we thought that buying canvas totes is the best thing apparently paper uh, mm. bags for shopping produce less waste long term there's just so many things we don't even know and i think at the center of it is not coming from a place of don't do this you'll do something bad this is terrible but remembering that we are part of nature that we are part of gaia and finding those moments within our days where we practice that remembering. Mm. So you both have pointed to some of the rituals and Cam, you just brought in the word ceremony. And I know you've talked about plant medicine on your TikTok. So I'm curious, what are the, some of the specific ceremonies, rituals, relationship with plant medicine, whatever that might look like that are part of your lives that fuel all of the things you just spoke to? Mm. Mm. Great question. <laughs> yeah. For me, there are definitely, yeah, medicines that have had very transformative impacts on my 
awareness and myself and how I see myself and view myself and operate um, and know myself. You know, I think through my work with certain medicines, I've really been able to know myself and love myself. And yeah, I guess one of those medicines is um, cannabis medicine, right? One of those medicines is uh, psilocybin mushroom medicine. One of those medicines is Mother Ayahuasca, Father Iboga, Grandfather San Pedro, uh, and then other animal medicines as well, um, such as uh, Bufo medicine, which is the, a toad, frog medicine, which Cam and I actually had our first encounter with frog medicine not too long ago. And that was very, um, yeah, very clearing. You know, it was very clearing and cleansing. Yeah. <laughs> it was like de defogging. Uh, it kind of reminds me of when you spray the windshield wiper fluid and wipe the stuff. Mm. And you're like, wow, I can actually see the road now. And then I also want to speak to our endogenous medicine, like the medicines that we exist that exist within our own internal systems and prana and breath. And and all of these that I'm naming have had, you know, the integration of them had have had such a profound impact on on my life. And I guess Cam can also speak to her experience. So, yeah, I have not had um, as much experience as Eli with certain plant medicines like ayahuasca, San Pedro, all of those I have not experienced. Um, but yeah, I could share a little bit about Combo, the frog medicine that we had a few weeks back. And yeah, one of our friends, he's a Combo practitioner and he really created a beautiful space for us to experience the medicine and before even going into that ceremony, we or I had written out all my intentions for wanting to experience combo. And I knew through listening to other people's experience with combo and um, just getting a deeper understanding of the medicine that it's so powerful at really letting go of all the things in your life and patterning and conditioning that is not serving you at this moment. And so I went into the ceremony having already intentionally like written out all the different things that I was ready to let go of and just release. And so with that ceremony, it was very interesting too, because one of my fears around the ceremony was that I really don't like vomiting. Like I'm not, I, yeah, I had like this resistance to wanting to um, purge. And when he was setting up the space, I don't know what it was, but he said something and this childhood memory came through of when I was at my grandpa's house in Ohio and I like projectile vomited on his carpet in the living room. And you know, it was, I got a lot of shame and like, not, yeah, the reaction towards that was not great. And I think because of that experience, I like 
closed, like I was like, okay, I'm never, you know, vomiting ever again in my entire <laughs> life. Like I can't go through that humiliation mm-hmm. again. But that memory, like I had not thought about that in so, so, so long. Wow. And for that to come up, I was like, oh, okay. I see why I have this resistance towards wanting to purge or, you know, having that purging experience. And as soon as that memory came into my mind, I was like, okay, I'm ready to purge now. I Mm. know why I have that resistance and I'm ready to break through. And during the ceremony, I danced a lot. I moved, um, you know, I felt the heat that came through with the the frog medicine and I purged. We both purged uh, quite a bit, but you know, through learning about other people's experiences, so many people said it was the worst experience of my life. And that was kind of the narrative around it. But for both of us, we didn't experience that. Like, I think we were both so ready to trust the medicine that when it was time to purge, it just, it happened. And it was just a full release. And it didn't sit in our bodies for too long and create really uncomfortable, nauseous, feelings. Mm. It was just like, okay, let go. (laughs) And Mm. we did really just trust the medicine. And it was such a beautiful experience to go into ceremony together. Like that was the first time that we went into ceremony or, you know, a very specific medicine ceremony together. And so that was a great healing journey for the both of us. And then in terms of cannabis, we actually, you know, had a TikTok video around um, cannabis medicine. And we do really honor the um, marijuana plant. Um, But it's interesting, since that uh, frog, since the combo ceremony, we have not actually had any desire or longing to smoke uh, cannabis. And so we've been just in a sober state, um, no other plant medicines or animal medicines for about a month now. And it feels really beautiful, you know, to just integrate those Mm. learnings and be in this high state of consciousness and experience life through a very clear lens and, yeah, not feeling any desire to... Um, engage with those other medicines at this point in time. Mm. And I think, yeah, one of the most important things with um, any of those plant medicines is the integration, right? Mm -hmm. The medicine is only as effective as the integration. And this is like a video that we actually just filmed. So that will be coming out on our TikTok soon. Yeah, (laughs) it was from a a poem that I wrote that was about um, medicine, and it was saying that the medicine is only as effective as the integration, mm. right? And that integration being in this state, in this state of being with one's self, that integration period, it can't just be medicine, 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 right? It's like it's only as effective as how you integrate it. And yeah, Absolutely. it's been beautiful. And the last thing I'll note is the grandfather tobacco we uh, experienced together with, mm. with Hape. And I think that tobacco gets such a bad rap um, in general because it's so associated with cigarettes. But tobacco has such a rich history of usage and such powerful medicinal effects that I feel like 
just wanted to make anybody listening aware of that because tobacco is not just cigarettes. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not just what we see in the stores and in packages, uh, but there's so much more to it. It's like comparing sacred cacao grown in you know, permaculture and served with love in a ceremonial context, comparing that to a bar of Cadbury chocolate. Same thing. Uh, exactly. Totally. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I do think that these medicines deep, like deepen the connection to ourselves as earth beings. You know, because when you think about what it means to interact with cannabis, what it means to interact with ayahuasca, what it means to interact with the fungal kingdom, there's an interaction there. You know, there's an interaction. There's a communication there with not only the biological properties, but the spirit of the being as well. Um, so in that sense, it's definitely broadened that sense of earthliness by being able to connect with different beings in that way. Mm. So beautiful. Thank you both for sharing so openly. And I just also want to add a disclaimer that we're not advertising any legal substances. And this is a personal choice that is important to always do in a safe context under supervision. And it's not for everyone. And also we can get to those places without any substances. And I've been there. I know you both have been there and it's possible. I know we're at time here. Do you guys have a couple of minutes to wrap up? Totally. Yeah, that yeah. works. Okay. And yeah, we just want to share that we um, fully endorse what you just said. Um, that yeah, it's totally a personal journey if you choose to want to partake in plant medicines and also making sure that you create a sacred container that feels safe, that feels supportive. Um, that is very much an important aspect of engaging with these medicines. Did you guys feel how when... Uh, Eli, you started sharing about your experiences and then Cam, you took over like a spirit of that entered the space. I just like could see it enter the room you're in and I could feel it enter my being. And I was like, Ooh, okay, <laughs> we're taken here. You know, we're always yeah. guided. Like, <laughs> source speaks to us in ways we can understand. And I think mm. those substances are some ways that are make sense in our human brain. And that's why we are open to receiving those messages. And it's so profound. I had a recent journey myself and it was with a chemical substance not you know a natural occurring consciousness medicine and for me it was just a direct connection to source and i made some voice notes i've been listening to and it's like who's talking it's like someone is just dropping things into my being i translate them into human language and then i'm saying them out loud until they click until i understand them and one of my learnings was that i'm a caterpillar i was watching a caterpillar kind of just go on these rocks, go zigzag, zigzag. And I'm like, I wanted to scream at the caterpillar and say, hey, if you're trying to go there, just go directly. You'll get so much faster. Like, what's wrong with you? Come on. And I couldn't because I don't speak caterpillar and there's no way I can knock on the door and be like, hey, I can help you. And we do the same. I do the same with myself. That's when I realized I'm the caterpillar. You know, I'm meant to take all of the lefts and rights and backward because there's something along the journey. I'm meant to process and integrate and receive and share. And if I just keep trying to get somewhere, 
that loses its whole point. And it's such a simple message that we hear so much, but I really felt it by seeing myself as that caterpillar. And that's one of the gifts of working with those medicines and having access to integration practices like movement or meditation or cacao is those messages just keep coming, don't they? Mm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) And whether you speak to it directly in content or not, it just like becomes part of our being. And those who also work with it, they can pick it up. They're like, hey, you, you know? And that's probably, you know, whether you both were already working with plant medicines when you met in Bali or not, there was like a part of that source, that being, that just like, let's get those two together right now. And that's actually the piece that (laughs) we didn't yet get into that I would love to get into before we wrap up is, you know, you got together, movement got you together in Bali. So how from there did you end up in Hawaii in the first place? And were you both consciously calling in this kind of partnership at that point? Mm. That's a great question. That's a great question. I think you should tell the story about the film. The film. That we were supposed to be in. Oh, yeah, that's pretty. (laughs) Pretty wild. Yeah. I had a friend in Bali named Mina, and I met Mina because she came to a gathering that I had at my place in Changu, and Cam separately also knew Mina, Uh, and Mina is a filmmaker, along with her former partner, Noelle, and they were going to make a film about two people I guess two people's journeys intersecting in some way, shape or form. I don't remember the exact context of the film, but they, they had two people in mind to star in that film. And it was me and Cam. And that was before we even knew each other. We hadn't Um, even met yet. We hadn't met yet. And we both knew Mina on very separate accounts. And she was very hell bent on that. It had to be us in the, in the film together. Um, so yeah, I mean, I might've been calling in partnership, you know, I I think I was, uh, maybe a bit more subtly, but I think I was, I was ready for, for partnership. You know, I, I felt like I found myself at a point in my life where I was, you know, ready for partnership. And I didn't feel like I was for quite some time before that. I think there was a lot of, healing and work and recognition and acknowledgement that I had to do within myself in order to really be in a position where I can accept and receive that partnership. And I I feel like I was in that place. And perhaps because of that, maybe calling it in a bit. And yeah, we ended up in Hawaii. Well, do you want to speak to it? calling in partnership or not yeah and I'll to speak, speak to, to go into <laughs> yeah so for me I I wasn't intentional about calling in partnership at the time but there was this wild potent love magnetism that was building it within myself that friends were noticing and it definitely was very apparent that some force was coming through and there was going to be a powerful attraction that was going to occur. I just, you know, it wasn't really 
on my mind um, at the time. It was just kind of happening. And I was like, all right, I'm flowing with this, I guess. You know, I was dancing a lot at the time as well. So I was just letting source move through me, move with me. And I think because of that, it just, it totally made sense that mm. we met that night at Pretty Poison <laughs> dancing. Um, I think it was just meant to be in that mm. sense where the universe just kind of knew that our energies, we were going to meet, you know, either through this film or some other way, wow. <laughs> but it was going to happen. Mm. Um, and then I remember I had to leave Bali to head back to the U.S. Um, in May of 2019 for my sister's graduation from Wesleyan University. And so I remember Eli being so intentional about saying like, hey, like, I know you're leaving, but I want to make sure that we see each other again. You know, I want to make sure that we continue this relationship and this growth together. And so through that um, intentionality, I was like, okay, let's figure it out. And he had a cousin living in LA and I was heading to Oregon. And so he was like, okay, I'm going to go to LA and produce a rap album <laughs> with my cousin. <laughs> and then I'll road trip up to Oregon. And there was also a friend's wed wedding happening in Oregon that summer. So I was like, you know, you can be my plus one to this wedding. And so we made it this beautiful time together where we, yeah, spent time in Oregon and he got to meet my family and friends. And then we actually road trip down to LA with his cousin, Josh, and spent 4th of July together. And then after that, that really solidified that we wanted to be in each other's lives and that we wanted to continue this well, relationship. Well, maybe it solidified it for her. I already knew. <laughs> yeah. Here's Eli. He Cheers. already knew. We're holding it down. <laughs> it really, I think it really, in my experience too, it takes that one person in a relationship to be like, you're the one, I'm holding it. I'm going to give you all the space to arrive where I'm at, but I made my choice. Let's do this. Cheers for doing that. It takes charge. It does. Such true, like amazing courage from Eli to have that intentionality and not be scared to share that. Because I think a lot of times people are a bit scared to be so open and vulnerable with their feelings. And Eli was not at all. He just like <laughs> laid it out there. He's like, this is how I'm feeling. Um, if you don't feel that, that's totally okay. But I would love to be able to foster this relationship in a deeper way. And so even though we were living in different places at the time, we were making it work through visiting. Like he would come to Hawaii, spend some time there. I traveled to Australia when he was working there. And we had like this beautiful mini life together um, in Australia. And, um, and then, yeah, we were on the big island of Hawaii when COVID hit. And that's when we were like, okay, we're really going to spend a lot of time together now mm -hmm. um, with my family on a farm <laughs> um, yeah. at so a place to, where to energy I, is so intense for some. Yes. I know for me it was like that. <laughs> totally. And so to bring it all full circle, like that time on the farm 
that was kind of the the first time that we were together indefinitely. And Mm -hmm. that's when we actually started making this content. Mm -hmm. That's when we started growing this community. Because before that, you know, Cam got the fellowship in Hawaii. I was still had my life in Bali and we were kind of just like making it work. And then I just got a one-way ticket at one point. I had zero plan but to go be with Cam on the big island. I had no plan after that. And lo and behold, events occurred and we ended up on that farm in Oregon. (laughs) And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you guys happen to know Evan Rock and Megan Moon? Evan Rock and Megan Moon. I don't think so. I don't think so. They used to call the Ina on the Big Island. I stayed at once. I thought maybe you've crossed paths, but because of COVID, who knows? I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we were on Big Island for only about like two weeks um, before COVID really started to take form in a way that, yeah, started, you know, social distancing became a thing. And we were like, okay, we probably should um, make moves <laughs> and figure out what we're going to do given the circumstances. Yeah, which divine, like I had no plan. I just kind of was trusting going to the big island. I had zero, I had no return <laughs> flight, no nothing, any, I had zero plan. Mm. My only plan was go to Big Island, spend this time with Cam for her spring break. And then, yeah, we've been together since then. Wow. Yeah, talk about being like <laughs> yeah. divinely placed. Boom. boom yeah, boom. yeah, totally, totally. Exactly. Um, yeah, and when I when I met Cam initially, I knew. I knew when I met Cam. And I feel like I've had, I don't know what it is, but I've been quite diligent about being able to recognize soul connections with people. Mm. Um, and with Cam in particular, like I, I knew from the get go and I was like, Hey, we should, you know, let's meet up. Let's get a coconut. Let's, mm-hmm. let's like go get a coconut on the beach. And if you don't want to, that's all good as well. But you know, yeah, he was so is. chill about it. Yeah. I, I loved it. I was like, yeah, he was, the way that he approached like the conversations and the interactions that we had, like there was intention, but there was also this like laid back, like, yeah, if it feels right for you, cool. If not, Mm. I'm doing my thing and Mm. enjoying life, but um, it would be beautiful to, you know, surf together and eat breakfast together or, you know, different little things. And, you know, through that energy that he held, I just felt more trusting of him. And I've just had, you know, personal experiences where, you know, men have not been able to like hold that container and have like cross boundaries. And with Eli, it just felt so different and it felt so safe. And because of that, I was able to like slowly open myself up, but I did have a bit more um, barriers initially. Mm. And I think there's a part of me that, you know, recognizes the common approaches that men take and the way that it can make other people feel. Mm. And so being intentional, but also being sure to create that space of safety Mm. and creating that space of no pressure, you know, I think is very important to put forth. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. 
I so appreciate that manifestation of the masculine. My husband has done the same for me where he's, you know, even if I'm was going into places that totally didn't serve our relationship, he would always say, Hey, I see you. It's totally okay where you are. And if you're ready to join me here, I'll be there when you're ready. But without like, hey, you can't be like this. This is terrible. This is not serving anyone. When I knew it wasn't serving anyone, it was eating me from the inside. But there's like that clutch on old ways of being that sometimes just feels like it's beyond me. So having a partner mm. that can hold the space of that, just gently transforming instead of being pushed away is everything. Mm. Yeah. It's mm. so beautiful when that divine connection occurs and you're like, oh, wow, this is how a, you know, authentic relationship feels like, especially when you have been kind of conditioned to more toxic relationships in your life. It, it also feels very scary to be like, ah, is this real? Mm -hmm. Like, is this space going to be held for you know, the long term, or is this like a facade, you know, it's very difficult to, you know, fully open up when there has been past experiences that have, um, you know, been painful or hurtful in different ways and have broken trust. And so the way that Eli really stepped up and like held the space and also made it feel so relaxed, um, was such a breath of fresh air for me. Mm. And you guys sharing this now is opening up that possibility for so many who didn't know it was possible. So thank you for modeling that here on the podcast, but also in everything you share in your content. And you have so many beautiful rituals and invitations and fun dances on your TikTok. So I really encourage everyone listening to check out Groove with Gaia on TikTok. And before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask you guys about that you feel called to share? in the space. I'm feeling pretty complete. I'm feeling complete as well. Thank you <laughs> so much for making this such a beautiful first podcast experience for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys are um, wonderful yeah. to, <laughs> to hold the space with. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just feeling gratitude, you know, mm. gratitude for this mm. conversation and yeah. for and for this podcast, you know, we, we did listen to the your podcast a bit when we were driving up to the Jersey Shore and very grateful to the work that you're doing mm. of creating this platform for these conversations to, to be had. Like, mm. that's incredibly important, you know, creating the platform for certain things to be heard. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely. And really, and really, really facilitating that. <laughs> you know i feel like the spirit does everything i just show up and i smile yeah. and everything else just happens <laughs> around me you know <laughs> but thank you i really appreciate totally. that and beyond your tiktok is there any other places that you would like to invite everyone to connect with you yeah you can connect with us on instagram groove with gaia you can sign up to our mailing list at our website groovegaia.com so it when we put on events again and actually start, you know, facilitating experiences again, that's where you'll want to be is on that mailing list. What continent and do you think it's going to be on? 
<laughs> I guess these initial these initial ones are going to be in the U.S. Okay. These initial ones. And right now we're based in Asheville, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and there's a strong dancing community here. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping to have an event soon in the mountains. <laughs> um, but yeah, we. Um, do our, we do see ourselves traveling to other parts of the world, um, maybe during the winter time here. So um, it's very likely that these experiences um, and healing dance journeys will occur in other parts of the world as well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And then if there are any, this is an invitation if anybody wants to have further conversation or collaboration or ideation, etc. Uh, you can drop us a message at groovagaya at gmail.com. Boom. Easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Simple. Cam, Eli, thank you both so much. I am so grateful to be connecting with you. Grateful for TikTok. You know, one of my missions is to <laughs> redefine social media and remind us that we do get to curate what we see and what we create and who we connect with when we become conscious of it. And this was just one such example of it. So thank you both so much. Have a blessed rest of your weekend and I'll see you on TikTok. Thank you. Thank much, you. Love. much love. Sending you lots of love from the mountains <laughs> of Asheville. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, Start by writing down what moved you. When we notice abundance in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on fundedbysource.com. Subscribe to Funded by Source on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and a review. And take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.